You're listening to The The Witchy Witchy Shift. Shift. For cross-cultural conversations in the ever-shifting landscape of witchcraft, spirituality, and anything mystical. Where we and our guests discuss the societal shift toward acceptance and even an embrace of all things witchy in the mainstream, as well as our own work as professional psychics, magic makers, and yes, witches. We're your hosts, Heather Lee and Diana. Hi, Diana. Hi, Heather Lee. So tell me about this episode. We're doing a back to basics and kind of a Q&A. Yeah, because it's our season closer. Our season closer. So we're taking a little break for the summer, for late spring and summer. Mm-hmm. And uh, you really need it. You deserve it. You've got a lot of things I coming. I think we out. all deserve it, but I will receive that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go ahead and talk about your summer itinerary because I'm really excited for it. So some of our listeners may not know that in your other life, not your other life, in your actual life when you're not here at the Boston team room, either being our producer and audio engineer and editor and a psychic tarot reader and a workshop facilitator, you are also a burlesque artist, a well-renowned and (laughs) award-winning burlesque performer, and also producer. You produce your own shows as well, right? I have my own show now. Yeah. And your burlesque identity is? If you're ready for Okay. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Do you Uh, not want to tell people? Do you want that to be a separate thing? No. So, I mean, they will Google it. If they've come this far and they've listened, then they're going to. Well, and we're going to, some of the episodes for the future, it'll get talked about too. But I perform under the name Lilith Von Tall. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I produce a show called Lilith's Big Old Golden Show. Yeah. uh, Because my brand has become gold. Mm-hmm. Um, just everything. Right. Because uh, that's who I am. Right. <laughs> um, so literally the stage, what I wear, every, it's gold. It's it, all gold. But it's a burlesque and variety show. And uh, yeah, I've applied to some festivals. Okay. That are pretty big deals. And so some of that is going on this summer. summer. And that's one of the reasons that we're clearing the decks of all of our witchy shift responsibilities so that you can be free to travel and tour and take Lilith Von Tal on the road. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty exciting stuff. I am excited. I teared up a little bit because it's like, it's very fresh. I mean, it's not fresh. I've been doing it for six years now. Yeah, but I think the level that you've gotten to is really fresh. Like watching you learn, like, you know, first you were just like taking the class and then Mm -hmm. you were performing and then all of a sudden you were emceeing and then you were teaching other people how to emcee and then you were like advocating for, and I'm getting the chronology of all this stuff out of order. You're not. But you were also (laughs) advocating for, you know, um, body inclusivity in the world of burlesque, you were getting at the same time recognized for your contributions in that arena. So it's been a really big deal. And now you're producing sold out shows yep. in the burlesque world. It's really kind of amazing. And I've enjoyed watching how it informs your work here at the Boston Tea Room and how I think anyone that is in a creative artistic field can understand 
how the creative pursuits feed into and inform and expand and can really benefit the other pursuits in one's life. So, you know, this is what you you clock in at a witchy shift every day for to make a living. Mm -hmm. And burlesque is not how you're making a living. But it's definitely I I, I make good. So this is a podcast. You guys missed how she just took her hand and like shook it like I'm doing all right. I'm doing okay. So you're definitely not losing money in the burlesque world. But you know, the two inform each other. And I love seeing that whenever you do like new publicity shots or still shots for who's that can we give a shout out to the um, photographer that you work with so often who just does amazing stuff? Tell me her name. Heather Bunkelman. Okay. And she is on Instagram. She's Artbox Creations is her company. Artbox Creations. Y'all, you have to check out her yeah. Instagram if you're an Instagram person because yeah. she does the most fantastical and beautiful and magical photography, not just for women, but the way she helps women see themselves and reflects themselves back to the, mm-hmm. It's just remarkable and amazing and beautiful. She's also very inclusive yeah um what she's a wonderful soul yeah everyone every one of her photos the subjects of her photos just look so comfortable Mm -hmm. and in their own skin she's also a witch oh well that makes sense we did a zodiac yes i remember that um and which which zodiac sign were you taurus Taurus. okay (laughs) (laughs) and then we did a major arcana Mm. photo shoot she did every single one of the 22 yeah majors wow that's really cool so if you're in southeast michigan or willing to travel to southeast michigan consider you know definitely follow her and see if uh if you've been feeling like you need a little boost and you want to this is a time in your life where you want to capture who you are at this particular moment and cycle or phase of your life heather bunkleman i recommend it too Mm -hmm. um just so she's she's a a hairstylist and makeup artist as well right right yeah everyone has a costume and she's got all the props and the backdrops Mm -hmm. and the things and then Mm -hmm. she'll i know you guys go out into nature a lot yeah you know it's interesting because my first photo shoot as a burlesque artist um i was put i went to a world-renowned photographer Mm -hmm. drove three hours right Paid a lot of money. Yes. And was put in a corset that was two sizes too small mm-hmm. and came home with a distended abdomen. Yeah. And like major dysmorphic flare up. My partner came home and I was like on the floor eating raw cabbage. Well, and if I recall, I could be wrong, but if I recall that incident, you had also been told that this was a woman who had experience working with people of all sizes and that you had nothing to worry about. And instead you found that she was really unwelcoming, inconsiderate, did not make you feel good. Yeah. It was, uh, in, in that art form in general, it was a moment where I experienced the least amount of compassion. Yeah. Um, and so I had a lot of hesitancy about booking with another professional photographer and I, have only booked with Heather since. Yeah. 
I mean, when you find someone that works, it's kind of the same. It's really similar to when you find a hairdresser out in the mm-hmm. world that works. You know, you're like, oh, okay, I don't want to go anywhere, anyone else. And also our reception desk, whenever I'm staffing our reception desk and people call and they're like, well, I really want to get a reading with this particular reader, but I know she's booked today. So I'll get a reading with this other person. I, you know, if you find someone who's a great reader for you, mm-hmm. I never encourage people to like, I'm like, you know what, if you really want that person wait a couple of days until they've got an opening in the schedule wait a week now having said that there are also people who go to great clips and they're like ah whoever luck of the draw I'll just get what I get and I'm fine with it if you're one of those kind of people and we have those people too who are like yeah whoever's on schedule Mm -hmm. when I come in that's going to work for me but when it's something as uh, I mean that's a high investment if you're going to get headshots or body mm-hmm. shots or anything like that. Oh yeah, I tell people I would rather not have a bad martini. <laughs> I, I, I would rather have no martini than a than bad, a bad martini. martini. Yeah. Um, but no, Heather will shoot for like multi generations of family, mm-hmm. and you know you don't have to be like a glamour queen to right. do it. It's right. come as you are. Yeah. Um, no, but she if you like, want the glamour queen experience, she can create it for you, even if that's not your everyday jam. Easily, yeah. It, like she's done photo shoots where, like, the only costume and the only prop was a sheet, mm-hmm. and they're uh, you know just yeah. draping sheets right. creatively. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, and it's been interesting with the burlesque. Uh, I, I, this always felt like two different worlds. It's not. And now they're not. Yeah, it's not. Um, you know, and so it's interesting. We do have events coming up later this spring. Mm-hmm. And this that's another one where this is weird. Like, it's not. It is weird. It's still strange. It's surreal that they're they're combining my work as like a performer and my work as a spiritual practitioner emerging. Um, last October with my best friend, who's also like as we're both solitary practitioners on two different paths, but like walking adjacent. Mm-hmm. Right. We produced a ritual burlesque show, mm-hmm. first of its kind. Right. Never thought I'd be able to do that. And like the entire cast, I now have cast members, people that I trust and like continually cast right. who are approaching me even about this next show that I'm doing saying like, you know, my ancestors, I feel them saying, you got to do this. You got to do this. Um, one of my performers, we were talking outside of a show on Sunday and they were like, you know, I can just, I can, I can hear my abuelo in my head saying, mija, mija, you have to. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they're going to do it. They're going to do the, th- you know, and it, no one will know that but us, but right. it's, they're so close now. Yeah. And that's, you know, I kind of like that where that no one will know it, but you, your work is being informed by ancestor practice, but it doesn't have to be overtly, you know, exposed as such, you know, because that makes it, then it's not performative Mm -hmm. spiritual practice. You don't have to telecast. Right. You Uh know, Uh, but yeah, you don't have to telegraph that, that this is what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Just do it. Yeah. Right. Right. And so that's been really great. And so, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to lead a uh, performative Valpurgisnacht. Oh, right. So, the yeah, our May Day celebration yeah. is coming up. We won't be able, this is the last chance we'll have to mention it since we're taking a break from recording. Um, and so, yeah, our May Day celebrations here at the Boston Tea Room in Ferndale, Michigan will be happening. Um, and Valpurgisnacht, and you're going to host the big traditional Witches Night dance, which will be 
the day before. Our May Day celebration is actually on the 30th because that's a Sunday and that's mm-hmm. when people will have it available. So that's when 30th. we'll be doing flower crowns and the Maypole celebration out in front on the lawn in front of the building. And the night before will be Valpurgis Nacht, which is traditionally, you know, the night before May Day. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, and that'll be something that you're hosting. We're doing with... a, a manifestation seed planting. Oh, ritual, right, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's going to be really fun. So if you're in town, you know, follow us on Facebook and Instagram or TikTok for information about those upcoming celebrations. Very family friendly. And by us, we mean both the Witchy Shift and Boston Tea Room. Right. (laughs) The Witchy Shift and Boston Tea Room and our uh, assorted other partners and practitioners. Yeah. Yeah. We got some fun stuff coming up. Really fun stuff. Yeah. And so yeah. taking a break is, I think, manageable. I think it's reasonable. It is reasonable. So if you don't see any new episodes for a couple of months, just know that we'll be back in the fall. Yeah, look for us around the uh, the fall equinox. That feels auspicious. Okay. All right. To me. You're the producer, so you just tell me. Fall equinox. Awesome. Putting it in the world. All right. So it's just us today. We yeah. have no panelists. Nope. We have no guest speakers. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. What's going on? We're talking about getting back to basics yeah. and that kind of stuff. And I understand we have some listener questions. And emails. And emails. Okay. Let's start. Can we? I'm going to start with the emails. Sure, sure, sure. Because this was one of the first emails we ever received. Mm-hmm. And I asked for consent for both okay. the emails that we're going to read. And this was just so sweet. Um, so this is from Samantha. Mm-hmm. And she writes, Hey, besties. <laughs> hey, besties. And I say besties because I feel like you are a bestie after I just binged your podcast. Aww. I'm writing to say thank you, all caps, thank you, for hosting such a fun and for hosting such fun and accessible content. You've helped reignite my spiritual passion after a season of utter burnout. Aww. I'm back into my crystal meditations using my husband, parentheticals, bless him, as a chakra balancing practice subject and ruminating (laughs) on all things spiritual. Crystals came to me in a time of deep depression and mental health battles. Thank you for normalizing these tools with simple conversation and discourse. Now, after binging, I just want to hop back into all things dream work and tarot as well. Thanks for being here, both physically with the tea room and on the airwaves. Much love from Sam and her spirit animal slash familiar Phoenix, the fluffy tabby cat. Ah, well, you know, I love the name Phoenix, right? Yes, and you do. know the significance. Yeah, so um, that's really, really awesome. Um, thanks, Samantha, for saying all of that. We love being here physically and for you um, on the podcast. It's it's exactly what you're talking about is the reason that we're doing the podcast. You know, so many mm-hmm. people are exactly in that space. And as tarot and quote unquote witchy stuff has become more and more mainstreamed, you know, we get we get a lot of goofiness. We get made the punchline of a lot of jokes and, and that's totally fine. I have no problem with that. I never have, but you know, I enjoy making the jokes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you know, we definitely need to um, have more safe spaces where people can practice and where novice practitioners can come together with people who are a little more seasoned, a little bit more um, practiced in, in doing ritual Mm -hmm. and, 
and, you know, treading this path and doing it in kind of a a more lighthearted way. Not that we don't take it seriously, but let's not take it too seriously, you know? So that's why I wanted to do this. Yeah. No shade to any other podcasters, right? Right. But what I wanted to create, I mean, we even have it in our intro, like cross-cultural and community-driven. Mm-hmm. The thing that I find most valuable about having a community of practitioners, vastly different from myself even, is that the conversations that we have are so informative. It's a laboratory. It's where we get to experiment, where we get to play. Mm -hmm. Um, And so being able to make it accessible through those conversations. Right. And also I think that that's just, it makes it digestible. It makes it funny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mean, there are, I I tried, there's a really intelligent podcast out there with these two very, I don't know, learned men, you know, they're very, and they're approaching metaphysics and occultism from this very kind of academic thing. But, and, and again, like you said, no shade on them. And I was really interested, but I cannot listen to 90 minutes of a diatribe on the minutia of King Solomon's. <laughs> I, I just can't do it. I can't go mm-hmm. there. You know, I don't want to listen to 90 minutes of sacred <laughs> geometry either. I want to mm-hmm. talk about how are you getting your head out of the books and getting your head into the real world life with the mundane and bridging that gap between the esoteric and the mundane and living a full and rich and juicy and expansive life where you can incorporate this into who you are without making this your sole identifying characteristic, you know? And it sounds like that's what Sam's doing. I love that Sam's husband is is letting Sam use them as their, you know, chakra balancing (laughs) experiment. And I love that Phoenix is along for the ride. Yeah, absolutely. It's great to have people in your, uh, that you're living with that will let you experiment and participate. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't have that. So that's a, you know, what a great blessing. Yeah. Sam has that. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Sam. Our next one is long. Oh. That's okay. Okay. It's from Rizzo. Okay. And Rizzo writes, so this followed our conversation on familiars. Oh, right, right. Um, And as a side note. Sure. Connecting the last email, what you just said, and this one, because that podcast, we winged it. Mm Mm-hmm. And it got the most response and the most positive feedback, the most interaction of all of our podcasts. The one on animal spirits on familiars. and familiars. Okay. But however, I'm not going to let us take any credit for that because I don't think it's because of our lack of preparation or the fact that we winged it because... Not th- not to say that we can't do that from time to time. And we had prepped for a very different session yes. and through no fault of our own, we were unable to record that session because another participant wasn't available. And so instead we did the Witches Familiars. And But I think really the reason that episode was so much more popular and got so much more traction than anything else we've talked about yet is because people love their pets that's true it's really (laughs) i credit the pets and the animals with that more so than i do us but i I don't disagree with that okay but the thing that i loved about that podcast is it was we had no pretenses yeah we literally started being like we didn't read the book 
<laughs> you know, there was there was no pretense, and it was just conversations. And right. we admitted we don't know. Mm-hmm. We got we got homework to do. Yeah. And so yes, I also I was delighted to talk about my animals for an hour. Right. Um. But at the same time, like it, I feel like listening to it. We, yeah, there was no pretense. We were no, having fun. We were having fun. We were being real and mm-hmm. true. I enjoy I enjoy in a time and a place. 90 minutes of heathen lore. Sure. But after that, I can't synthesize the the hurling a dinger saga. No. The burlinger dinger, you know? <laughs> no. So people say, I didn't read the book, but I got something to say. Right. I think, I think that's valid. And, you know, even like trying to ask some of the staff for like the, the staff sessions, mm-hmm. having conversations are like, well, I don't feel versed enough. I yeah. don't feel experienced or learned enough. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Right. That's the point. Yeah. And that's the other end of that spectrum, right? The pendulum swings and the, the material that's out there and the content that's out there from this really heavy, esoteric, deep dive academic stuff where they're quoting, Gnosis. you know, books, yeah, books from the 17th century. And then it goes in the other direction where you really do have a couple of um, people just sitting there talking who basically don't know what they're talking about and they're winging it every single time, every topic, every recording. And I don't want to listen to that either. So, you know, when I hear that feedback from Samantha, it basically tells me that we're, we're hitting that note fairly well, at least some of the time with being right in the middle, being accessible, but Mm -hmm. also providing hopefully some new information to people without, you know, positioning ourselves way above anybody. Yeah. And I don't want to be above anybody. No. It's a different podcast. That is a different (laughs) podcast. Not one that we're going to record. Not safe for work. Mm -mm. Um, (laughs) So Rizzo writes, Deanna, Heatherly, and Orlando, I hope this message finds you well. I was so excited to see the introduction of this podcast on BTR's Instagram page a few weeks back. Tonight, I had the opportunity to listen to my first episode of the series, which so happened to be the one on familiars. Okay. Segway. <laughs> I found this topic timely when it was posted because I have questioned the idea of familiars and animal messages since the arrival of my new kitten at home about a month ago when this was written. Mm-hmm. So choosing this episode for its topic was very intentional. I've identified as spiritual for a few years and recently feel more intuitively connected to my gifts and have set intentions to study my practice more in depth. I resonate a lot with messages, particularly archetypes or character arcs. I found a lot of relevant symbolism to me in this week's episode that I'd like to share to add to the conversation, if I may. Yes, Rizzo, you may. I like the duality of familiars or animals as messages that are exchanged and consented with from loved ones on the other side. My newest cat feels like a familiar. Sigmund Floyd. (laughs) I love that. What a great name. (laughs) He was unexpected and a last minute decision. And I was worried about how he would blend in with the brother cats at home. The strangest thing, the cats have adapted surprisingly well. And as strange as it sounds, the one cat who I had self-diagnosed with cat cat anxiety, cat anxiety, <laughs> seems calmer since his brother came home. I'd like to think this strange line of events points to Siggy being a soul companion. I thought some of the animals brought up were coincidental. The turtle symbol, I believe you brought up oh, the yeah. turtles, mm-hmm. is a symbol in my family of origin, coined because we move slow and steady, parentheticals, and often win the right race, if I may add. 
I find the hummingbird a unique symbol in creation stories. About a year ago, I visited an art museum in Grand Rapids and came across a basket weaving exhibit with a digital iteration of a Ketchin origin story. It seems as if the hummingbird has the can-do underdog archetype and is often rewarded for its tenacity. I have the link story below, and we can link the story on the um, oh, that'll website. Be great. Uh, if it's of any interest to you all. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Sidebar, I was showing my partner this part of the episode, and I learned about color and spiritual communication from Orlando in a workshop a while back. <laughs> After learning about how the hummingbird got its color, I turned to my partner and I said, that's so cool, which was quickly echoed by Orlando in the podcast <laughs> a few moments later. We call that synchronicity. <laughs> which I just found funny and charming. Thanks, Orlando. Thank mm-hmm. you for listening to my feedback. And I extend my gratitude for you all being a part of my self-care and study today. I have been so lucky to learn from you all in different spaces at BTR recently. And it was fun to hear you all together in this shared one tonight. Best, Rizzo. Thank you, Rizzo. So I think that's so sweet. sweet. Yeah, that's really great. That's really great. Very sweet. Thank you, Rizzo. Well, isn't it wasn't the turtle a, yes. also a family one for you? It was a family one because of when I was born and had to be in that cast, mm-hmm. and so they, my mom called me her little turtle. Yeah, absolutely. It's also for Rizzo, I love that. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. So yeah, I, we clearly hit the mark right in the middle. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is, I think it's just, it's been really joyful to sit down and like have intentional conversations. I mean, they're already intentional conversations, right? right. We're in a, an intentional space. Mm-hmm. We have a mission, we have a vision, but to, to give that a little bit more zhuzh has been a really enjoyable process. Sure. I mean, not every one of our conversations here at work is super intentional all the time. You know, like the, what were we talking about last, the other day I walked out, it was near closing time and we were kind of doing, everyone was divvying up the housekeeping chores for the evening and I walked in on a conversation and someone was saying, oh yeah, she does porn movies now. And I was like, what are we talking about? And they went, oh, our favorite childhood TV shows and what the child actors are all doing now. You know, that's a more of a workplace conversation, like work <laughs> friends conversation, not necessarily a I work in an intentional spiritual community kind mm-hmm. of conversation. So, yeah, having the the focus of we're going to talk about this stuff on a regular basis is really nice. And, you know, I found that it also is helping me focus on those things in my day-to-day life and pick up on more like recently I have started I'm listening to a lot of audiobooks Mm -hmm. right and I've got the audible app and so I listen to books while I'm you know doing housework while I'm doing cleaning while I'm folding laundry all that stuff and because I'm cheap and I don't want to (laughs) buy a lot of audiobooks I'm frequently listening to classics because Mm -hmm. they're free and they're available public domain right so I had listened to Little Women recently a lot of my friends really love it it was a book that was really formative in their Mm -hmm. youth dude I hate it really hated it then still hate it (laughs) um don't love it at all but then recently the past couple of days I started listening to the secret garden you know kind of also one of those childhood adolescent books right and a lot of us have seen the movies the different film versions they Mm -hmm. had but I was listening and I finished it this morning while I was folding laundry and I was bawling and it's just so sweet and it's so beautifully told and 
it has these overwhelming themes of magic, these little kids who are like chanting spells and basically meditating in this secret garden and trying to manifest, you know, they're not using those words, but it's absolutely what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And they do use the word magic over and over and over again. And they're crafting this world that is very metaphysical. And it's just so beautiful. And that theme of transformation, how they talk about this one kid who's so physically ill that people always tell him that he's going to die soon. And the one little girl who's spoiled and miserable and everyone hates her and she's sour and ugly. And this transformation that happens when you get out into nature and they're talking about the spring and rebirth and growth Mm -hmm. and how you know nurturing and cultivation is not I was kind of amazed at how woo-woo and esoteric this book is Mm -hmm. without overtly being so at all. But I thought, oh my gosh, I have to talk about that when we record today. If you haven't read it before ever in your life, if you have read it but haven't read it in a decade or so, download it on Audible. It's free. I mean, Audible is not free, but it's a free title that's available Mm -hmm. to you. And the woman who it's a a UK actor who narrates the book, her name is Carrie Hope Fletcher. I immediately wanted to look for every other book that she's ever narrated. She's a prominent voiceover actress. Well, she's only done a few, but she's an author and an actor. And so she has her own book that she's written. Okay, because that name is so familiar and to me. And then she narrates that. Cool. Yeah, so she's a great actor and she gets that broad Yorkshire accent just mm. right. But it's beautiful and charming and adorable and it would be great for like if you had, you know, I'm a 54-year-old woman and I adored it. But if you had a road trip with your family where, you know, you could all listen together and it's just, it was an absolute magical delight. So... Yeah, it was super fun. Um, Yeah. So what are our questions that people have submitted that we wanted to get answered? Are we there yet? We can be. Okay. I don't know what our agenda is. Well, before we move on, I just, that inspired me. Yes, please tell me, tell me. Because as a lover of words Mm -hmm. and literature, um, I am rereading as an adult. So I never read these books with my own two eyes. Okay. They were read to me as a child. Oh, fancy. But I am reading the Anne of Green Gables series. Oh, yay. So when I was a kid, my mother would call me Anne Shirley when I was being melodramatic. Mm -hmm. And it was often. Okay. And (laughs) that's Anne of Green Gables as Anne Anne Shirley? Anne Anne Shirley Cuthbert. I only know her as Anne with an E. Anne with an E. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Great series on Netflix, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, But I'm rereading it, or I'm reading it for the first time as an adult. I don't know. I'd preface it that way. Right. Um. But it's also ju- the the poetry, mm-hmm. the words, the spelling it out. She's so intentional, mm-hmm. and then also so verbose. Um, but the intention that she puts into envisioning the world around her, right? And then over the course, I mean, this isn't a spoiler. I mm-hmm. mean, this is a classic, right? Sure. Over the course of these books, that world that she's been yearning for and envisions becomes real. Mm-hmm. 
It makes me weepy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Well, that's some more manifestation for you. Yeah. That's when you started speaking. Yeah. (laughs) It's, um, you know, I also recently read uh, The Old Curiosity Shop by Charles Dickens. Mm. And, I, you know, Tale of Two Cities is one of my favorite books of all time. And so I was like, oh, The Old Curiosity Shop, that's free on Audible. So I'll do that. And it was so, I'm not going to slam the book. It's a great book. He was a great writer. But it's tragic and heartbreaking. It's one of those books where, I mean, it's very Dickensian. And that's where that adjective comes from. Mm -hmm. It's tragic and horrible. And you meet these people who are good people and they have a bad break. And then the bad breaks are followed by more bad breaks. And and that's where we get the literary form of tragedy. You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) just it's one of those that, you know, it's where my motto, it'll all end in tears, comes in very handy. So I'm not going to recommend The Old Curiosity Shop. But Anne of Green Gables and the others, you know, those are when you need to feel a little more upbeat. Mm-hmm. You know, and touch that inner child that right. twinkly. Yeah, because she speaks. She speaks so eloquently mm-hmm. that this is not an eleven-year-old girl, right? Mm-hmm. And yet, like that was me as an eleven-year-old girl. Yeah. Anyway, so it touches the inner child in me yeah. without making me feel like I'm doing something that's trite, right? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's been a very grounding process. That's really awesome. Definitely more grounding than reading my version of your Dickensian, which is Jane Eyre. Oh yeah. If I want to yeah. feel tragical, it's Jane Eyre. I mean, that's some tragedy, right? Or I know also Wuthering Heights. People love Wuthering <gasps> yes. Heights. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not here for it. I mean, the Bronte, I'm all about the Bronte sisters, but those stories, you know. Reader, I married him. <laughs> Why did you marry Mr. Rochester? And then there's also Wide Sargasso Sea, if you want to know what Mr. Rochester was up to before Jane Eyre came into his life and where the woman in the tower came from. Yeah, Wide Sargasso Sea. I've never read that. It's a prequel to Jane Eyre written by a different author much, much later. Maybe maybe in the sixties or seventies, nineteen sixties or seventies. Okay. I could be I could be wrong. But it's it was also made into a really beautiful movie, but it's it will totally for people who love Jane Eyre, maybe don't read Wide Sargasso Sea because you won't love Mr. Rochester anymore at all. But by the end of Jane Eyre you shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. But she does. So Reader, I'll- she married him. <laughs> yeah. Legally. <laughs> so before we dive into those questions, uh-huh. since we're doing this organically, I actually, this is exciting. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be a perfect way to segue into some things we're excited about talking about in the future. Okay. Because as we're talking about Jane Eyre and all of these things, I was like, oh, I want to talk about the the Juilliard touring production of Jane Eyre that I saw. Oh. But we've been planning mm-hmm. an episode to talk about the integration of art and mysticism. Okay. And so, all right. Teaser. So, we're going to do kind of our favorite books and movies and visual But also art in okay. media. Okay. Okay. Because I was like, oh, I want to talk about the Juilliard production that I saw mm-hmm. that's still moving me today. Okay. Almost 15 years later. All right. And then I also want to talk about I Tituba. Okay. Have you read I Tituba? Do you, does this the Tituba who was the the servant who was involved in the original Salem witch trials? Readers, you can't see me, but okay. I'm slowly nodding. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's the entire crucible Salem mm-hmm. witch trial story told okay. through Tituba's 
okay. perspective. So clearly fictionalized because we yes. have no actual records of whatever became Correct. of her. But it centers her as a black yeah. woman. Okay. In America. Be interesting. In those times. Yeah. And she did survive. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. So yeah. I, yeah. So we're going to, the witchcraft in the media. Okay. Right. So not media like the news, mm-hmm. but books, okay. television, music. Yeah. Movies. All right. And then right. art and mysticism. Because we have some artists on staff. Yes, we do. Visual artists and performing artists. Writers. And, you know, like you're sitting out on like yourself. I think, too, you know, this ties into one of the things that we've been talking about doing here on site, which is having um, our movie matinees. Have I told you about that? No, but I brought that up to Madeline yeah. a few weeks ago. So I think we're going to kick it off with The Holy Mountain by Alejandro Jodorowsky, okay, which is cool. a, um, it, it's really got a huge cult following mm-hmm. and it has some, it's interesting. It's definitely not family friendly. Do not bring the kids to come see the Holy Mountain. But we're going to put it on as a free event at the Tea Room because the the themes, the overarching tarot themes with the major arcana are really big. Mm-hmm. But it does have nudity and it does have, you know, some other things that... Um, you know, might not be what you want to expose the entire family to outside of a family conversation in your own living room. Mm -hmm. So I think we'll make that an adult only performance, but we're going to be doing that on um, a Sunday afternoon. And then we have a couple of tarot documentaries like Tarology with Enrique Enriquez Mm -hmm. um, and a few other things. And we talked about, you know, maybe just doing like a tarot movie night and it might be any movie that incorporates a tarot reader like it might be wine country with amy baller and you know, okay because that's, like, that's what immediately came to my jones mind. one or what's the one where erica badu is that awesome tarot reader i think it's taraji p henson and what men want i don't even remember what maybe it's girls trip who knows but there's a really great whole scene with erica badu as this badass tarot reader so yeah i think there are we what we will not be playing is what is it Prince of Cups, Knight of Cups, which is this terrible tarot themed movie that, you know, centers a straight white womanizing man, but, you know, positions him as the Knight of Cups. Let's mm, not do that. Maybe yeah, we no. won't do that one. I'm just sitting here hoping we branch off from tarot and we can play Witch Mountain and Escape to Witch Mountain. <laughs> Sure, I'm down for really? it. You just have to find it. We just have to find it streaming so that we can, okay. you know, put it up there. Oh, and I'll we, buy them. And we, I'll buy them. Sure, I'll buy okay. them on Blu-ray. Okay, <laughs> just kidding. I don't own a Blu-ray player. But yeah, witchy stuff, tarot stuff, the esoteric, the stuff, love witch, the love witch. Oh, and the there's the VV itch. The VV itch. Just oh, the witch, but it's spelled with yes, two Vs. Yes, the 1700s. Oh, that one's a dark one. I love it. Uh, it's really good, but it's dark. And um, there's a documentary about a very famous witch in uh, Australia. Hmm. And it's I think it's the Witch of King's Highway or something of, of King Street. I'll find it for you. I think and I we'll know what you're one. talking about. Yeah, it's really good. It's, Have you seen is it? Is it newer-ish? She, like last 12-ish years? Yes. She was a she was a, a visual artist who was very well-renowned, but she was also a practicing witch who led a very 
colorful Mm -hmm. life. And as a result, she was kind of critically panned. But her work is, I'll have to remember her name. There's some good stuff out there. And we just want to do, you know, as we're heading into the summer, we want to do more drop in stuff to show up and watch a movie with us show up and come to meditation. We've doubled the number of drop in meditations we're doing Sunday meditations now. Yes, Orlando has added a Sunday 1pm Eastern meditation for people who are local to drop in. That's another podcast topic. Oh, yeah. I want to get Orlando in here and they can do, we can talk about meditation All practices. Right. So I think that'd great. be a really fun conversation. Yeah, absolutely. I talked to them about it and Orlando was like, oh, I just kind of like do mm-hmm. how I feel. Right. And then, so you, you know, with the structure, mm-hmm. right? And then the regimentedness. Me? Yeah. I don't like to meditate. Yeah, some people don't. So it's, like, think, yeah, I think it's be a not for everybody. And mine is not regimented. Another topic that I'm excited about for the future that yes. actually we tried to do this season, <laughs> learning curves, um, is to actually record the spiritual hygiene oh, conversation. Yes, absolutely. So re- li- readers, listeners don't know this, but we had a two hour, well over two hour session with Kelly talking about spiritual hygiene. Mm-hmm. And mine was the only voice recorded. (laughs) And in it was me talking about how, oh, no, my altar's a mess. And so that was also a major moment where I learned, like, maybe the world doesn't need to hear this. And maybe I need to, like, (laughs) put up or shut up. So let me shut up for a minute. Well, and it's funny. How funny is that? The the three, it was just the three of us, Mm -hmm. you and Kelly and I had such an interesting two-hour conversation about spiritual hygiene. Because I remember when you mentioned that as a topic, I was like, define that tell me what that means Mm -hmm. you know to you because it's not a phrase that I was familiar with or had been using at all but then of course when you kind of spelled out what you meant by it I was like oh yeah we could talk for days about days yeah and and we kind of did we did we will have to again all went out into the ether Mm -hmm. somewhere Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there was a reason (laughs) yeah Right. It's it just so because it was two hours of me. It was just my voice right. saying over and over again, "Nope, my altar's a mess. <laughs> no, it's in my office. It's also a storage room. Oh, I need to change that. Oh, yeah. Oh, so okay. I hear you. Call out, call out from those watching. Right. I hear you. But we're gonna do it because my office is clean. Oh, my is altar it? is well kept. Good for you. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, spiritual hygiene will happen. Yes. I also want to get the moms in here. Okay. To talk about psychic development in your kids. I'd like to get the kids in here with their moms too. Oh, that would be interesting. Yeah. That would be really interesting. Jasmine and J-Love. Yeah. And Sharice and Lily. Mm Mm-hmm. They're really freaking cute. Mm Mm-hmm. Put little headphones on Angie's babe. (laughs) Who I don't think is verbal yet. No. (laughs) Because they're literally an infant. Uh-huh. But I think that'd be cute, too. It'd Spiritual really children. Cute. Yeah. Dreams. We're going to do dreams. Yeah. Well, now, dream interpretation. I know you've got a big panel for that because y'all didn't even have room for me on that conversation. Oh, there's not room for me either. I'm going to okay. sit on the floor. <laughs> You're just going to facilitate mm-hmm. the conversation everyone else is happening. I'll probably be heard in the background. Okay. Like laughing yeah. when they talk, but yeah. I won't actually be on air. I'm bummed. We might have to create a two-parter for that. Which we can. Yeah. Okay. Which we can. But yeah, there's there's already four four panelists. Okay. Who are rip raring to go. Yeah, that's awesome. And then you and me just right. curate the conversation, curate the questions. 
But what are you, are there other things that you're excited about? Ways that you want to see this podcast grow? You well, can speak them into existence. You know, I the way my mind works when I'm talking about podcast topics and things I'm excited to talk about is usually it ties into whatever else we're producing or creating for the shop, mm-hmm. right? So not only do I want to do like shared community movie days where we can talk about the esoteric in films throughout the decades, but I do, I'm I'm working on resurrecting a couple of the classes that I've taught in the past, like Crystal Ball by Candlelight, which is one of my favorite divina- divination modalities, which is one of my favorite divination modalities, as well as, you know, I've got a um, an event that I'm working on, which is the kitchen drawer divination. Like everybody has that junk drawer in your kitchen. I will be in that class. Okay. And I love, I just love junk drawer divination. So we're going to be doing an event on that in the spring or summer. Um, also, bibliomancy. Mm-hmm. I had, I started last year when I really needed to, break the habit that I had developed of getting up and getting on my phone and getting on social media and then, you know, scrolling for Mm -hmm. an hour or so in the morning, I decided no phones in the morning. And instead, with my morning cup of tea or coffee, I was going to have a book of poetry next to my chair. And I was going to focus in on one poem and just read it line by line and then go back and read it a little more deeply and spend as much time. Maybe it would be five minutes. Maybe it would be 20 minutes with one poem. And I started with um, one of my Alice Walker books of poetry, Her Blue Body, Everything We Know, which Mm -hmm. is one of my absolute favorites. And, And it was fantastic. And so as I did that, without realizing I was doing it, instead of going cover to cover and reading the poems one at a time, I was flipping through at random and kind of doing it the same way that I would pull a tarot card of the day, which is Mm -hmm. I shuffle. And I think to myself, you know, what do I need to be paying attention to right now, which is a line from our friend Mary Greer. I don't know if it was original to her, but that's always when I'm doing a daily draw, what Mm -hmm. I'm thinking. And that's what I was doing as I was flipping through these books of poetry, what do I need to be paying attention to today? And then I would stop at a random page and that would be the poem. Mm -hmm. So it was almost like my own little bit of bibliomancy where instead of just isolating one line or one sentence, I was, you Mm -hmm. know, sort of asking the divine for what my message was, you know, and I would alternate it with, um, Mary Oliver poems or some other different Mm -hmm. poems even some there was some Joy Harjo in there and um, and then I have this book of Wendell Berry essays and I then I started doing it with the Wendell Berry essays just one line at a time I would just read one line in an essay and so that made me think you know I need to bring back my bibliomancy practice I love that yeah I do that with Pema Chodron's fail oh, fail right. again and yeah. fail better yeah oh that's shadow that's like if you want a book on shadow work it is mm-hmm. not explicitly about shadow work right. but it is shadow work yeah absolutely. so i use that book and like whatever i do the whole page like but it's mm-hmm. it's she she speaks through p- fables yeah and like these these longer stories and poetic verses and so i will just use whatever chunk it's a whole right. chunk but i'm like okay Okay, that's that's, that's what I need chunk to for the day, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, so many people do that from the Daily Word, which is that Methodist, uh, you know, 
uh, what do you call it, devotional, mm-hmm. where it's like a page a day, you know, people in recover 12-step repro- recovery programs do that, mm-hmm. you know, what's the meditations for women who do too much, or, you mm-hmm. know, simple abundance, that 80s symbol, uh, Sarah Ben Brennick. I don't remember how to pronounce her name. So, you know, it's really, it's nothing original. That's for sure. But it's cool. It's, yeah. And it's, it's cool. I'm trying to get a little bit more focus. I'm trying to fight that uh, attention of a goldfish mentality. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Because, I mean, in Bibli- you can do that with bibliomancy. Yeah. I will even do bibliomancy before I buy a book. Mm-hmm. To yeah. give myself a chance to be like, do I really need this book? Right. <laughs> All right, book, what are you going to teach me? Right. <laughs> when I open it and it doesn't resonate, I'm like, not the book for me. Put that one back on a shelf. I am yeah. buying this because spending money might feel good. Right. Even this treadmill. Right. <laughs> <laughs> treadmill. So, yeah, I'm really excited about that one, about, you know, incorporating Bibliobancy into kind of... Um, you know, the artistic method of the exquisite corpse and mm-hmm. using bibliomancy for that for crafting cool. spell work or blessing work or that kind of stuff. Oh, hell yeah. So those are the things that I'm kind of excited That's about. That's awesome. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. I'm, I'm glad excited. you think so. I'm I'll be in your classes. Too. Awesome. Well, I have some questions from our listeners if okay. you want to jump into them. Let's get into it. So our first one is... Burr, 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 burr. What are some techniques or ways to get the magic back? Okay. I feel like so many of us struggle with burnout and not having enough time to get everything done, let alone the special headspace and effort it takes to get in the mood for spell work, magic, etc. I would love some insight and tips into this. Like, am I still a witch if sometimes I slack on my practice for two months? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> yep. Um and and also, you know, it's funny cuz I think that's a little bit what we've been talking about already during this session is I feel like taking back my mornings, taking back a little time in my day from a screen and doing something even mildly creative even if it's um you know writing down three lines, something I did today that I'm proud of, something I did today that I wish I'd done differently, and something I hope I'll do tomorrow. That doesn't sound very magical, you right? But it is a spell. Mm-hmm. It is a spell. It is a blessing. It's saying, I'm going to give this tiny bit of extra weight to this thing in my day. I'm going to have a self-examined life enough to know what I did that maybe I wasn't being the most mindful or intentional with Mm -hmm. and what it is that I want to do tomorrow, which is what do I want to manifest for my immediate future or my very near future? So it can be really that simple Mm -hmm. or it can be as simple as, you know, engaging in bibliomancy or pulling one poem down and reading one line of one poem and saying, okay, what's the message for me? And maybe the line of a poem that you pull out that morning is about a rose. And then your job that day is to be really intentional and mindful and be looking for roses, whether it's a rose that's in bloom, it's a little early in the season for that right Mm -hmm. now, or whether it's, you know, roses, secondhand bookshop, right? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, a rose on the logo of an Indian restaurant that you've never tried out before Mm -hmm. or something like that. 
give yourself something new and magical. And I would also say, you know, some people will say, if you want to, you know, practice your magic on more of a regular basis or reclaim your magic, that you have to have a structure or a habit or a daily ritual. I kind of think the opposite. If you let yourself go, if you do something new each day, that is bringing the magic in. That's exposing yourself to new ideas, new experiences. Mm -hmm. Even if it's just that you pull over at the side of the road where there's a park, walk through a green space and walk back to your car, you're Mm -hmm. just getting into nature that much, even if it's in the middle of an urban park, you Mm -hmm. know, because some people will say, well, if you really want to practice your rich nature, you have to get out into nature. You you know what? A park is nature. And sometimes that's it. Houseplant. Yeah. A house plant is nature. Take a plant cutting rooted in water. There's your magic. That's Mm -hmm. transformation and growth Mm -hmm. and a new beginning. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's about what you think and what's going on internally in your head rather than what you're doing or not doing and letting yourself off the hook for not doing more, you know, in, in career Pass And when people are talking about their careers and their jobs, there's this huge, like all these productivity hacks, like you got to do this and you got to do time blocking and you got to do this kind of method and this kind of method and create structure and ritual and habit. And the reality is that your worth isn't tied to your production, at least not in that way. Right. And that you don't have to be producing witchy stuff Mm -hmm. or doing witchy stuff to know that's that that's not who you are, right? You know, um, we don't, what is it? We don't, uh, we don't buy something with our birthstone or wear a birthstone every day, but that doesn't mean that we don't still know that we're a Gemini, right? right? You know, I may not talk to either of my sisters all day. It doesn't mean I'm not a sister. Like you don't have to be engaged in the practice of living your identity out loud in order to be really confident at home Mm -hmm. with the fact that that's still your identity. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and like as a pagan, Mm -hmm. as a witch, Mm -hmm. these are like living parts of me they're living practices Mm -hmm. and there are parts of my life where I feel like blah Mm -hmm. why would I expect my magic to feel any different right um you know and so I I, at the same time like you eat gelato every day it's not going to feel super spicy it's not going to feel like a it's it's going to lose the yeah the the zhuzh right there's going to be times where that happens and I almost feel like that is a calling to like just live yeah let just just be mm-hmm. um i my, my my morning coffee um you know it's like just those those little the basics right are you stirring wittershins are you stirring towards the sun right. and and do i really <laughs> believe that that's nec- no i don't right but it's fun yeah and it recenters me it brings me back home um and it makes literally my life magical again in the most simple of ways right um because i also believe in the idea that like witchery magic it's like the capital g capital r great remembering yeah right and so it's innate it's innate within your being yeah so you're gonna have blah well and you also look if you and i think this is kind of what you're this might just be hammering this idea home but the thing that makes magic cool is that it is not 
quotidian. You know, if something fantastical and amazing happens all the time, then that becomes the norm. Yeah. And like gelato. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then magic doesn't feel as special, mm -hmm. you know, if it's happening constantly. And I don't know about you, but I know some of us know those people who everything that happens is I magically manifested this thing that blah, 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 blah. And then I got my Starbucks for free because the barista, blah, blah, blah. And it was magic. And it was like everything in their life. Mm -hmm. And I got an extra shot of white mocha, you know, mm -hmm. and it's not, that's not magic. That's the barista doing you a solid because they're going the extra mile to give you a night. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, you know, let knowing that it's, if it's special, <laughs> it's not happening all the time, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I also don't necessarily think manifestation requires the unpaid labor right? of people who are less advantaged. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> when someone drops off someone else's DoorDash meal at your house, that's not your magic at work. <laughs> right. right. No one else is going hungry because of your magic. Right. So... Um. Yeah. But yeah, and, and just like it's innate within us, it's innate everywhere else. And so mm -hmm. sometimes we do have to like have those moments, the blah. Yeah. Okay, here's the point that I want to make. With this in terms of like, we usually, this conversation can sometimes evolve into talking about high vibrations versus low vibrations. Mm -hmm. And that's just not my vibe anyway. Right. Um, I, tell, I talk about this in my shadow work class that all vibrations, all energy occurs in waves. Mm -hmm. There are crusts and there are troughs. Yeah. And so when you're in that trough, you know, be mindful of it. Accept mm -hmm. it. Welcome it. Yeah. Relish it. Because that's going to make you see the rise again to that crust. Right. And when you're at that crust, you're going to be so thankful and aware that another trough is coming. Mm -hmm. You know? And I just, I feel like it it can give rebirth and relife without us asking for it yeah. and without us necessarily having to go through struggle. It's naturally going to come in waves and it's just not always going to be there. It's not always going to feel like something at the forefront of what we want to do. And I guess my, my last takeaway for that questioner would be you don't have to worry about how often you're doing magic. You just have to remember that whether you're doing it or not, you are you magic. You are magic. I think that's actually uh, a really good segue into the next question that we got, which is often it seems that there's a lot of books and info out there about, quote, baby witches. <laughs> what advice do you have for taking your craft to the next or advanced level? Okay. Well, I would say it doesn't go from advanced is not the same as next because when you're starting out as as what people often refer to as a baby witch you don't go right from baby witch to advanced witch that's mm -hmm. not how that goes um you know advanced advanced practice is like grad school I would say and you know baby witch is kind of kindergarten and there's a a really big breadth of information and practice and development and maturity and growth that happens in between those two realms. I'm not saying that it has to take the same chronological amount of time. 
Um, but I am saying, you know, baby, which in this context, I think of as someone who's very new to practice. Very often it's used to describe people who are doing maybe crystal work and some form of divination like oracle cards and mm-hmm. or tarot. And they're like baby witches. They're doing mm-hmm. this and this, but they don't have that kind of full scope of everything else that it means. Often, you know, their understanding of the natural world mm-hmm. and the role that nature plays is not as advanced or the nature portion is really well advanced, but maybe the ethics and the power dynamic of it isn't being emphasized as much. So I would say that the way that you take it to the next level is not necessarily taking one practice, whether it's divination or natural work or spell work or whatever it is, and continuing with that specific practice further and further. That's that's how you end up with a PhD in just one thing, mm-hmm. but without the broad scope, mm-hmm. right? Um, I would say that the way you take it to the next level is to go side to side. So yeah, look at the things that are next to that, like um, practice getting in tune with the natural world. And maybe, you know, instead of just doing tarot, instead of taking that advanced tarot class, maybe you take that beginner class in understanding nature science, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say breadth rather than specific focus. Now, that's not going to work for everyone. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there are by that logic some people would say, "Well, you should have been st- studying astrology. You know nothing about astrology." Astrology holds very little interest for me. I'm absolutely a novice at it. I don't know anything really about it. And um and I don't want to pursue it. But, you know, but I will pursue every different form of divination under the sun with the exception of that. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's from t- I then wanted to learn crystal ball and tea leaves and nature signs and bone reading and all of that. So it's kind of broadening that. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to learn, if I know a little bit of spell work, well, if I want to become more advanced in my practice, learning more blessing work is what's going to help with that, Mm -hmm. you know, um, does that make sense? I mean, that's, that's what has worked for me. It's very close to how I would respond. Yeah. You know, because for me, on the one hand, like thinking about it linearly, I would say the minute you do feel advanced, you're not, you're going to find something that makes you a baby witch again. Yeah. And I hope that for you. Absolutely. Because you don't want to fall into the trap of being that person who knows a lot about one little aspect of magical practice. It makes you a false expert and it robs you of the humility which is actually necessary for your practice to advance without that humility you think you know it all really the the way you know know that you're starting to know more is everything that you learn leads you to realize how yeah how much (laughs) Uh more there is like if you're feeling very Jon Snow I know nothing yeah then you're probably further along yeah (laughs) that's what I tell people all the time like the more you get into this the less it makes sense right Mm -hmm. yeah period I can get really analytical on like, how do I do this? Mm-hmm. How do I, how, what am I missing? 
And the way I have internalized that and integrated that for myself is I, I will pause and say, what am I doing right now? And what is my crutch? Mm-hmm. And what can I, what can I start to task myself with not leaning on? Mm-hmm. Right. So let's say you are just beginning your tarot journey. Mm-hmm. Put the book down. Mm-hmm. Put the book down. Or let's say you have put the book down and you know, things you're, because I feel like this happens differently for different people because you have your own relationship with your tools. Um, but all of a sudden, a card means something different than it did in the last spread. Mm-hmm. Can you sit with that? Right. Can you digest it? Like, get rid of the crutches. Mm-hmm. And I think that will also naturally take people into a place where they are reaching for all these other things. And it does become this wide scope in this entire sphere. It's an entire ecosystem mm-hmm. of things that encompass who you are and what your magic is. Right. right. You know, um, James Lipton of the Actors Studio. Yeah. <laughs> the minute you stop trying to become a better mm-hmm. is when you're bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah. that magic is is transformation and transcendence. Yeah. So the minute you stop transforming, right. You're the done. minute you think you got it all together. Yeah, no. Yeah. Brian McKnight. Who's Brian McKnight? The singer of uh oh. <laughs> You segued so fast. I was like, "Wait, who? What?" Um, repeat steps if ever I believe my work is done. Uh-huh. I'll start out back at 1. Oh, wow. You went old school. <laughs> yeah, just was like James Lipton, Brian McKnight. <laughs> Those two references don't even exist in the same hemisphere for me. In my brain. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with that. And also recognizing that um, what doesn't resonate for me doesn't mean that it's BS. Right. Right. Like, Reiki doesn't resonate for me. It doesn't mean it's BS. It means it doesn't resonate for me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not my magic. Yeah, exactly. You know, that can be someone else's healing work. And, you know, the same with astrology. It doesn't really resonate for me. It doesn't mean that I don't believe in it. Mm -hmm. It means that that's not going to be a practice that I spend a lot of time and energy developing Mm -hmm. for myself. Yeah, there's the James. Lipton philosophy of if I'm not trying to get better that I'm bad right (laughs) you know but there's also kind of the opposite of of that and just say kind of like the the last question you know when I said you don't have to do magic all the time as long as you just remember that you are magic right Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a little bit the same with this this you know, you're going to grow. If Mm -hmm. you keep eating, you're going to grow. You know, you start out as a baby. And if you keep putting food in, you're going to grow physically, right? If you just keep doing the stuff you love, you're going to get better at it. So maybe it's about allowing that progression to take place at its own Mm -hmm. pace rather than pushing to be better be better be better you know it's not like skateboarding it's also easier said than done yes yeah it's (laughs) you know you don't have to be out there trying to break an arm or break an elbow to you know jump a you can just if you just skateboard every day back and forth to school you're gonna get a little bit better I mean Mm -hmm. eventually maybe implement some curb work I don't know I should not be making skateboarding analogies I'm not a skateboarder Mm -hmm. but but you know what I mean anything that you do with any kind of consistency Um, or it's like a muscle. Yeah. Fo- and follow your own interest. Don't let someone else. And for the love 
of Krispy Kreme on a cracker, cracker, do not go through any. I'm gonna get in so much trouble for this. Don't go through any certification process. None of I don't care nothing what it is. in this world don't that we do is certified. A certified druid or pagan or you know, d- just don't. There's no governing body. Yeah. Just There's no don't. accreditation system. No. I mean, I'm sure there are. They're not universally recognized. So yeah, maybe don't do that. Maybe don't do that. Because it's allowing someone else to dictate the way that your magical transformation goes. This is not Hogwarts. Hogwarts is a fictional institution. No one can tell you how to become more magical. What people can tell you is how they became more magical. They they can tell you what their recollections of that process were mm-hmm. and what their activities were, mm-hmm. but they can't tell you how to do it. Sure. Well, also by all means, if your religion mm-hmm. has those practices... Sure, sure. That's different, right? Yeah. But like, we're talking about being like. I mean, maybe it's like different. a certified oracle reader. But yeah, if you want to become a rabbi or a monk, yeah, sure. there is a specific yeah, clergy. But that's spiritual sure. practice rather than something else. Yeah, yeah. So if you want to become a high priestess in a specific Wiccan tradition, maybe they do have their you know mm-hmm. doctrine that you have to follow. But just for like general magical practice yeah right because your magical practice isn't inherently tied to your spiritual practice Mm -mm. no isn't inherently tied to a divination practice either right and i will say if your spiritual practice is requiring you to practice in a specific way or forcing you down a particular road that is not comfortable with you it doesn't mean push through and do it anyway it means call your dad you might be in a cult you know (laughs) as georgia and karen would say Mm -hmm. it might not be the healthiest and maybe it's not a cult but maybe it's not the healthiest spiritual practice or spiritual community for you it might not be your magic it might not be your magic i like that i like that all right our last what a beautiful i'm just okay good segue again how important is it to find an official path, practice, or tradition? And how does one even go about choosing? Um, well, it's not, and you don't have to, would be my first answer. But that's an answer that's very specific to me. And, you know, I think I've told you this, like I can equate this with a spiritual tradition because unlike many, many people I know, but similar to some, some that I know, I was not raised in a particular spiritual tradition, right? Mom was a non-practicing Catholic. We almost never went to church unless my grandma made me. My dad was a non-practicing fake Jew, so which is a longer story. So I grew up thinking that I was half Jewish and half Catholic, but I didn't practice either. Mm-hmm. And I was encouraged very strongly to explore and come up with what I wanted to find. I really love what the outcome of that was for me because I followed my own curiosity. I became very familiar with Catholicism, with Judaism, with Buddhism, with many other faith traditions. Um, 
and I found a spiritual connection which works for me. And because that worked for me, it's what I advocate for other people. Now, many people grew up in one faith tradition or another, and they have different experiences, and I'm sure that they would have a different recommendation. But I love the freedom of saying of saying spiritual exploration. Mm-hmm. So when I was a member of the um, the UU, the Unitarian Universalist Church, uh, I had a position of director of religious um, exploration. And in many churches or parishes, that's director of religious education. But in the UU, they call it religious explorations because you're not supposed to be teaching anyone anything. You're supposed to be bringing options and ideas to the community to let them learn from it. So I really prefer a non-dogmatic practice for myself. But, you know, I will say it was interesting for me, I don't know, a decade or or so ago to take one of those online spirituality quizzes where they ask you a bunch of questions about your beliefs. And then they say, well, you're like 90% Unitarian Universalist and 10% Quaker, you know, or they kind of so, you know, you can always do that. But you look at what resonates for you Mm -hmm. and look at for an extra dose of authenticity look at the spiritual lineages and traditions of your ancestors you know and go from there i find that celtic folk tales right and basque legends and folk tales and mythologies really resonate for me well big surprise. That's where my ancestry lies, right? And so I don't think that you can go too far wrong, at least beginning by exploring the spiritual pathways and traditions of your ancestral people, and then branch off from there, Mm -hmm. you know, but as as you're doing it, make sure you're not Practicing cultural appropriation. Correct. You know? Respect the boundaries of closed practices. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, if you're going to use the word shaman, be very, very careful. Very, very or careful. Or don't. <laughs> don't use that word. I, you know, I'm not going to say that. There are some people who are entitled to it, but I do believe that it's far, far fewer people than those who sure. are currently using it. Like the Siberians and the Sami. <laughs> so yeah i don't think read can you reread the question again just so we get the absolute specifics of it yeah how is how important is it to find an official path or practice or tradition and how does one go about choosing yeah it's it's not and you don't have to Mm -hmm. unless you feel that you need the structure of that and then you choose by finding one where the doctrine or the dogma or the core beliefs are readily accessible in black and white where you can read them. If that information is only available to higher practitioners or some of, if it's closed knowledge that you don't have access to as someone who wants to explore that belief system or that pathway, that's a red flag to stay it away. That's very mm-hmm. often that high control groups will, mm-hmm. you know, say, oh, that knowledge is reserved for people who are deeper into it. Um, and avoid things where there's a huge investment of time, personal resources like money or property or anything else that has to be made before you can explore it. You know, check out 
places where you can go to meetups or you can go to services that are free of charge, don't require study, don't require, per, um, you know, oaths to be made, secrets to be kept, and still allow you to keep your personal autonomy and yes. freedom and personal contact. And you don't have to get naked with anyone. <laughs> right. They might call it sky clad. If that's what you're into, great. Right. You don't have to be. You know, but there are ways to do that safely. Yes, there it's are. It's just, you know, avoiding people and organizations that um, tout high control as a path to Mm -hmm. the divine or the next level. That's what you want to avoid. Or things, uh, organizations or paths that say once you're here, you can't do anything else Mm -hmm. because you, you have multitudes. Right. Um, And kind of like we were saying in the last section, you know, a spiritual practice isn't inherently a magical practice. Mm -hmm. They can overlap. Right. Also a divin, a divinatory practice isn't an inherent magical or spiritual practice. Right. They can all overlap, yeah. right? I know many tarot readers who consider themselves to be absolutely atheists. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And are not witches. Right. I know lots of witches who don't consider themselves to be pagans. Yeah. And also don't read tarot or right. do any other divination. Right. Um, and I I am I I am a member of a religious organization mm-hmm. that is also mystical. Yeah. And my magic exists in it, we it's value congruent, mm-hmm. but also outside of that path. Mm-hmm. I'm a folk magic practitioner. Right, that's what I love. That's my judge, mm-hmm. and you know I'm I know the mysticism and I practice it. But where I find my most rooted and most powerful magic comes from the, the people that preceded me, mm-hmm. literally in my family tree. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean that I'm a multi generational witch because mm-hmm. I'm not. My grandma was not a witch. But she was a little old bitty from Appalachia. Mm-hmm. And you throw salt over your left shoulder. Right. And so there's correspondences yeah. that are there that, you know, all of us do come from a people that existed before Christianity. Mm-hmm. And all of us come from a people that existed before colonization. Right. To different degrees. Right. Um, and so those correspondences have survived. Yeah. You know, it's it's how we've survived. Um we look at like what you what your family cooks at Thanksgiving if you're in America. There's probably going to be some really cool stories there and there's probably going to be some magic in there and that doesn't require anything about you to change. Mm-hmm. And I hope that if you find those things, you realize you've already been walking a path. Mm-hmm. You know? If you need the more formal thing, go right. for it. But yeah, I stand by everything that you said is like a red flag and like, mm-mm. yeah. Is it needed? No. Do you have to? No. Right. How do you choose? Take your time. Take your time and explore. Explore organizations and groups and philosophies and communities and prayer circles and whatever they want to call it that have permeable boundaries, that have permeable barriers, rather, that you don't have to just do that and get locked into that and spend three years exploring that before you can set it aside and say, this doesn't resonate for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And If you are interested in an organization, a green light, a green flag for me, how accessible are their elders? Yeah, absolutely. My, our elders are incredibly accessible. And furthermore, they each have representatives regionally. Yeah. You know, I love that. Mm -hmm. My, my regional representative is out of Louisville, Kentucky. And he started a little Facebook group for us for the, for like the regional, like Mm -hmm. Northern South 
Midwest Great Lakes region. And it's just so cute. We carry his books, mm-hmm. you know? And so like, I'm like, oh my God, I know that guy. <laughs> He's emailed me, you know, right? like look for that accessibility. That's going to be a major green light. Yeah. Can you have conversations? Is there a welcome mat? Right. Is there a welcome mat? That's a big one. Yeah. I love it. I, I do. I do love the fellowship part. Mm-hmm. That's, that's something that I yearn for yeah. always is like, I lo- well, and also in my religion, we get into arguments. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, there's, it's not dogmatic at all. Right. Well, arguments you know, welcome. And look, there are those debates. I mean, I think about Judaism when I was studying Judaism and was, you know, con- con- contemplating converting, you know, the, the Jewish faith is all about debate and discussion mm-hmm. because that's how you learn. It's a knowledge based. You don't have to have some wild, you know, light in the sky. It's about debate and exploration and education rather than the other. So, yeah, mm-hmm. you can argue within dogma, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully the dogma is set up to encourage. Right. Right. Yeah. Creative of telling debate. you to shut the heck up and sit yeah. down. Mm-hmm. Cool. Oh, this has been a good one. Yeah. I've had fun. Me, too. Mikey, did you have fun? She did. She's oh. excited that we're, she can tell we're almost over. I hope that the mic caught that little woof. <laughs> Her little snurfle. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. All right. Great talking to you. See you in the fall. Yeah, see you in the fall. This has been an episode of The The Witchy Witchy Shift. We'd like to hear from you. You can send us an email at thewitchyshift at gmail.com or find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Witchy Shift. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. The Witchy Shift is brought to you by Boston Tea Room, one of the nation's largest and oldest metaphysical shops and is produced and edited by me. Diana Clyde Singleton, copyright 2022, Boston Tea Room.